This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome to another episode of the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. This is Michael Levitt, and today I have an awesome guest. I've been excited about this opportunity for some time. We've got Dory Clark with us. Dory is the author of Entrepreneurial You, Reinventing You, and Stand Out, which was named the number one leadership book in 2015 by Inc. Magazine. She's frequently writing for the Harvard Business Review, and she's done some consulting and speaking for a few organizations you may have heard of, Google, Microsoft, and the World Bank. Dory, welcome to the show. Hey, Michael. Thanks for having me. Personal disclaimer, uh, I purchased Entrepreneurial U a few weeks ago, started going through it, downloaded uh, the worksheet that you have on there, and that is kicking my butt. Um, uh, one of the things that jumped out at me in those 80-something things that you want entrepreneurs to do is, I'll read a line from item number 20. The last sentence is, write down exactly when you'll do this. I love the accountability that you have in the book and in this exercise because too often we've downloaded ebooks and other things and we've had these things, okay, do this, do this. And we're like, okay, great. Yeah, I'll go ahead and do that. But there's no accountability in there saying, okay, when are you going to do this? Because often we'll say, okay, yeah, I'm going to do it. And we don't. And we end up having 300 free ebooks in our downloads folder where this one, I'm like, okay, I'm going to highlight that because I really have to focus on that one. The other stuff, yeah, I've done a little bit of that. And the other thing I want to comment before we get into the conversation is I really wish I would have had this book about two years ago because it would have saved me a ton of time and effort. But we'll go deeper into that as our conversation goes. So tell us a little bit about your latest book. Yeah, thank you so much. So my newest book is Entrepreneurial You, and it's essentially a book about how people can think about creating multiple income streams in their business. I was prompted to want to write this because you mentioned my uh, my previous book, Stand Out, which I wrote in 2015. And that's a book about how to become a recognized expert in your field, which I think is very important in today's society. I mean, if we're going to fight back against uh, becoming a commodity, if we're going to really show people our real value, we need to make sure that people understand who we are and what we can contribute. But as I was touring around, speaking about it, talking to people, I came to understand that that is critically important, but in a lot of ways it is not sufficient because there's really been a change in our economy in terms of how people make money. And you might be a pretty big expert in something. You uh, you could you know blog forever and be really huge on the internet. You could be a YouTube celebrity, whatever it is. And yet, many of those people still struggle to make money and to monetize their business. And so I wanted to dig into that further to figure out what are the specific strategies that people use to build a financially robust business and to tap into some of this mystical passive income that everyone is talking about? How do you do it and what does that look like? So I set out to investigate and, and the result is Entrepreneurial You. Yeah, it's a great, great book and, and stand out is obviously, it doesn't get a number one ranking um, by accident. Uh, it's one of these things as... The internet space has created an opportunity for 
pretty much anyone with the right amount of motivation and skill to launch a brand and really brand themselves as an expert in whatever they happen to be in. But oftentimes, as you alluded to, you can get lost in the shuffle. Um, you know, I'll pick on Twitter for a second. Twitter is great. I use it. I've been using it for a long, long time. But oftentimes, it's almost like a river. Unless you are camped out and looking at every tweet that goes by in your feed, you're going to miss some things. And the people in your audience and your tribe who you're trying to reach may not see your message unless you are really strategic about how you go about branding yourself and getting the information out. Um, what are some techniques that you, know, that you learned when you were doing the research for uh, your new book? Well, certainly, Michael, when it comes to reaching an audience, one of the things that I heard again and again from the 50 plus entrepreneurs, very you know, successful six and seven and eight figure entrepreneurs that I interviewed was the importance of building an email list. Um, so much of the discussion publicly is about uh, social media, you know, that takes up a lot of oxygen. And so I think people worry about it a lot because it's very visible. You know, you can see how many Twitter followers somebody has. And so people get maybe feeling a little inadequate about that if they don't have some huge following. But the truth is, as you said, Twitter followers, uh, you know, first, first of all, uh, they're, you know, cracking down, but a lot of these are bots anyway. Uh, but second of all, even the ones that, that are legitimate followers, they're maybe not seeing your posts or um, it's, it's just too much information. It's, it's hard to have a real call to action that people uh, heed and, and really take action on. Instead, inboxes, which seems so primitive in some ways, like, oh, isn't that like so 1997? That's the thing that people still open. That's the thing that, that many professionals still use is essentially a control panel for their lives and for their businesses. And so if you can get someone to proactively opt in to let you send materials to their inboxes, that is huge in terms of being able to, uh, to build an ongoing relationship with someone that lets you connect with them, offer value to them, and ultimately, um, you know, they become part of your community and buy your stuff. Yeah, that's crucial. And it, it, it creates an, I don't want to say an intimate relationship, but it's more personal than, you know, the, you know, a tweet or a Facebook post. It, it, you can really have a conversation. And I found that a lot of the email lists that I'm on, you know, the ones that are really good, it really feels like that you are having a conversation with the person that sent that email to you. They're providing value. They're, they, they understand the struggles that you're facing. And it's really, it, it's, it's about as personalized as it can get. Although you're still sending it to you know, tens of thousands of people on your list, but it still feels personal. And I think that goes a long way in one, creating an opportunity to really be known, liked, and trusted by uh, the people that subscribe to you because it's an action on their part. Now, you mentioned this in the book where don't just randomly add people. You want people to opt in or to specifically say, yes, I want an email from you regarding the content that you share because that way there's at least initial interest in what you're offering. And then over time you nurture the relationship and then you, know, you can, if, if you have products or services that uh, you are offering to the community, uh, it gives you an opportunity to do that. Now they may not buy right away, but who knows two years from now they might, 
And um, what I know you talked about this in your book, but uh, with the audience, uh, you know, what were some lessons learned when you were building your list? Yeah. So in terms of, of building my list, I would say that there were a couple of channels that I used to great effect. One actually, you know, we can go meta is podcasts. Um, during the release period where I was releasing Standout in 2015 and then releasing Entrepreneurial You in late 2017, for, for each of them, I actually did about 160 podcast interviews uh, per book for uh, for promoting them, and that was that was critical because up until that time, my strategy uh, to get my name out there and sort of build my brand had been writing. Um, for some high-profile publications, Harvard Business Review, which I still write for, and Forbes. And so I stopped writing for Forbes in 2015. I had done about 250 posts for them over the preceding three and a half years. And I decided, you know what? What I need to do is reach more people, you know, pe- people who are not necessarily Forbes readers, you know, I've, I've got to sort of expand out the, uh, the eyeballs that are familiar with me and are seeing my work. And so I need to not just go deep in one place, although I think that's a valuable strategy at times, but I figured in releasing my book, that was the time that I needed to go wide. And so I appeared on these 160 podcasts, which is you know, an important strategy in and of itself, uh, because people are hearing you for, you know, whatever, 20, 30, 60 minutes. But additionally, I always made a point, not just of, of saying, you know, which some people do, you know, at the end, there's, there's almost always the, so Dory, how do people get in touch with you? And many people would say, oh, well, follow me on Twitter. Or, oh, you can go to my website. Those are fine things to do. Uh, but instead, I made sure to mention my lead magnet, which for people who are not familiar with the terminology is a free giveaway that you share with people in exchange for them signing up for your email list. And, you know, it was an interesting and desirable giveaway, uh, although you may have scared them off, uh, Michael, <laughs> given its intensity. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, it's like, it's like a hardcore kind of thing that if you're serious about it, I think would be pretty helpful to people. And in this case, what you're alluding to is the 88 question entrepreneurial use self-assessment. And so I would always mention that. I would always say, well, if people are interested, uh, you can get the entrepreneurial use self-assessment for free at doryclark.com slash entrepreneur. And so I was driving people specifically to that, giving them a reason and using that as the principal strategy. And then a little bit of email, um, sort of guest posting, uh, and then having links in my bio, uh, that would be sort of the secondary strategy. Uh, Between that, I was able to more than double the size of my email list over the course of 2015. I went from about 9,500 names on my email list to uh, about 25,000. So it really was was a great growth strategy that was able to kind of propel me to the next level. Oh, absolutely. And I know I usually say this, or most podcast host will say this at the end but any links that dory provides today will be in the show notes so if you're scrambling and trying to write this down or you're listening in your car don't try to write it down right now well you know it'll be in the notes don't worry about it you can go back to it but yeah it's spot on because one for podcasts you're you're hearing and getting access to all kinds of different audiences because there while there are many shows that are similar every one of them have a different audience base and it really gives you some exposure on, on how to 
really reach out to those people. And this is something that we're seeing now in 2018, but you did that three years ago where that wasn't really common knowledge uh, to, at least in, in this space on that would, you know, how that being a really good approach on really how to grow your list. So it's an incredible opportunity. So, you know, people, I, I, I highly recommend if you've got a product or service that you feel are, is going to really make a, a difference in your life and the people that you serve, start getting on some shows and it'll make a big difference. So also, it, it, you know, yeah, I don't want to scare away the audience with that 88 question thing, but I will highly recommend it people because for me being an entrepreneur as well, you know, looking at these questions, the thing that jumped out at me again was a strong call to action. Uh, because oftentimes you filled out all of these you know, questionnaires and, okay, how to do this and how to do this, and you fill it out and it goes into a binder and then that binder sits on your bookshelf uh, never to be touched again unless you move. This is one of those things where I, I looked at this and your book is a true roadmap for entrepreneurs to say, okay, this is how to do it and how to leverage myself for success and take the right steps. I'm never a big fan of shortcuts. I am a huge fan of taking the right steps in the right order, and it makes a big difference. Absolutely. So what are some other findings that you discovered in, in when you talked with those successful entrepreneurs that really um, surprised you, I guess is a good way to put it. You know, the things in there that you learned that you didn't expect to hear? Well, you know, there was one statistic, Michael, that really stood out for me that I thought was interesting and I think uh, will probably be interesting for you as a podcaster, but I want to I share it with the audience um, because it, I think that it's not just relevant for podcasters. I feel like in a lot of ways, it's sort of this metaphor for life. I think it's very applicable just in the human condition. And that is, there was a study that was done um, by uh, by a, a, a researcher, uh, and uh, his name was uh, Josh Morgan, and he did an analysis of podcasts, a longitudinal study between 2005 and 2015. And what he discovered, I mean, first of all, there was a, a huge amount of podcasts. There were, at the time that he studied this, about you know, 200,000 plus podcasts. That number has just increased dramatically even since then. Um, but you look at that number and if you're a rational person in 2015 and you say, gosh, there's 200,000 podcasts, why should I even start one? That seems ridiculous. You know, mine will never get noticed. It's, um, you know, it's, it's just kind of an impossible mission. And so what you might say is a logical response is for the person to just give up and never bother to get started. But what I think is really interesting is that he dug a little bit deeper and he discovered that the average podcast lasted only 12 episodes, just like over, it was a, it was a six month period. So 12 episodes over a six month period and then their creator shut it down. And I saw that and I thought, oh my God, that's, that's the secret there because so many people look at the the huge numbers they look at you know the the, the total competition and they say oh 200,000 i could never compete with that and what they don't realize is that the vast majority of those people give up 
they just stop. And if you simply keep going, I mean, yes, of course you need to be good. You know, we're not saying like, oh, you know, all the crappy podcasts will, will do fine. You have to be good. But if you persevere, you are not competing against 200,000 people. That is an erroneous statistic. You might be competing against 2,000. You might even be competing against 200 people. The, the odds get so dramatically in your favor and they get even more so with every year that you keep going. And I, I think that most people don't realize that and fully appreciate it, but there is a huge value uh, for, for folks that are willing to just give it a shot and keep at it. Yeah, that is, that is true gold. And you could say the same thing about writing a book. You know, there's a lot of people who say, well, you know, I write a book, okay, and it's up in the bookstore. But look at all those books that are in the leadership area or self-help and all that. It didn't stop you. It didn't stop me from writing and publishing my book, although I published my book and it released on the same day of somebody named Hillary Clinton. So sales, I, my competition was a little different that day. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm still thrilled that I did it. Um, I look at it and every once in a while I forget, I know that sounds silly, but I forget that I did it. And then I'll, I'll glance and I'll see a copy of it on my desk and go, whoa, it's just one of those things because your message needs to be heard. Uh, and again, with the standout and your latest book, the thing that jumps out to me initially, you know, just in picking up and starting to read through the books are it's, it's clear cut. It's call to action. It's do this. It's very specific. Um, there's not a lot of fluff in there. It's just, okay, follow these steps and you will get to where you need to be. I mean, you just said it with, with the podcast thing. Yeah, I know a lot of people say, oh yeah, I'm going to launch a podcast and they record, like you said, that magic number seems to be a dozen. And then they go, oh, you know, this isn't working. Um, you know, we've heard the analogy all the time. You start walking as a child and you keep falling down. They say, well, I'm not going to walk. It's not for me. You know, you get back up and continue on it. And, and eventually, um, you know, that competition, uh, will be a lot smaller than what you're dealing with. That's exactly right. Yeah. So what, I guess if you were going to talk to an entrepreneur today that was going to start a new business, no matter what they were doing and, you know, not necessarily good, bad, and different as far as what they were trying to offer, what would be some advice you'd give them to help them really make the right steps besides buying your book, which they should do anyway. <laughs> uh, but I, what, you know, what's the one thing you think would be really beneficial for them to really focus on uh, to help um, navigate the ever-changing world of being an entrepreneur? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that one of the things that I believe very strongly about entrepreneurship is that a myth that discourages a lot of people from getting started is that being an entrepreneur is inherently risky and therefore that the only kind of people that are suited for entrepreneurship are risk takers or thrill seekers or you know people who don't mind walking on the edge of the precipice or something like that. And so, you know, a rational person uh, who maybe doesn't have that as a disposition or maybe, you know, maybe just somebody who has obligations, somebody who's like, you know, I'd love to be a risk taker, but I have a mortgage or I have kids or whatever. They say, well, obviously I can't do that. Obviously I'm not that kind of person. And a big point that I make in, in trying to write Entrepreneurial You is that I, I think that's not correct. I think that that is a cultural myth 
and one that needs to be demolished because I actually believe very strongly that entrepreneurship is about risk mitigation. Successful entrepreneurship is. I mean, certainly, you know, I'm not going to say that you can't just like roll the dice wantonly and win. That does happen sometimes, but a lot of the time you, you lose and it can, it can be pretty devastating. Um, those are not people who I think are doing entrepreneurship the right way. Um, my definition of a successful entrepreneur, and, uh, and I think this is very true for a lot of the people that I profiled in entrepreneurial you, is that they are extremely careful with the risks that they take. They are not uh, just saying, oh, well, let's, let's give it a chance. Let's try. Why not? Uh, they are being very careful about um, the opportunities that they select. And so something that I think has been very valuable in the, the discourse in the last few years is the concepts, you know, sort of borrowed from Silicon Valley, um, like in Eric Reese's book, The Lean Startup, or Pat Flynn, I think, does a very good job aimed at entrepreneurs called, um, I think it's called Will It Fly? Uh, that's a great book. But the concept is is the minimum viable product. And the idea is that before you go all in, before you pour tons of time, tons of money into something and then just like hoping that it'll work, instead of doing that, you do a little test. And depending on your product or service, uh, it's, it's going to vary what exactly that test is. But you do the smallest possible thing to be able to try to validate are people even interested in this? Because you know what, if you, if you do a little tiny thing and people are not interested at all, that is extremely valuable information. That's not even a failure. It doesn't even qualify as that. You've just done a little test that has gotten you some information that prevents you from wasting a huge amount of time and resources. And so I think that the more that we can kind of put the idea out there that no, 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 entrepreneurship is about measured risk. It's not about just, you know, putting on your parachute and going. Um, it's, it's about being smart to test what people want. You know, maybe it's you, uh, you okay, you want to quit your job and become an executive coach? Well, how about you coach one person on the side and you see if you like it and you see if they like it and you go from there. Um, but that sort of small validation is really crucial and keeps you safe. Yeah, and that's the key thing. I know a lot of people get frustrated with their work and they say, I want a career change. And you know, they, they go blazingly and they launch it and you know, they, they open up their business on day one and they're wondering why no one's calling. And it's like, mm, your advice is perfect because don't quit your day job, focus on doing what you want to do, roll it out in small tests. And if you're successful and you're consistent and you're good and you've landed on, on the niche that is really going to help you retire from your day job, then you'll know and you'll say, okay, now I have that decision. I have to make that decision to say goodbye to my day role and start you know, focusing all of my energy and effort on, on this new endeavor. And so if it's where your passion is, um, then and it's also in alignment with your purpose, then you're shortchanging yourself if you don't do it. But of course, you know, like you said, you manage that risk and really, measure it and, and do the things that you need to do in order to be successful and reach out to people that have done it already. Don't, don't try to be the solopreneur. I hear the solopreneur and I feel about this little individual that's struggling and trying to get everything up and running on the island. There's no help on anything. And none of us have to be a solopreneur. We can, we can leverage each other and, and learn from those that have done it before us and 
we can take the the right steps to grow our businesses. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you're not talking about business structure. You're talking about ideology, you know, that it's not that you have to do it all by yourself. Um, even if you're, you technically don't have employees, um, you have support, you have resources, you have a community that you can tap into. Yeah. And, and, and instant information and all you have to do is, you know, search for it and, and talk to other people and, you know, get involved in, in groups and whether it's in meetups or conferences or, um, Buying your book, of course, should be a given uh, because, again, it, it, it just gives you know, a strategic roadmap on how to do things the right way and navigate and hopefully avoid all those pitfalls that many entrepreneurs fall into because they go in both feet first and expect everything to work out day one, and it, it takes time. Uh, it, it's, you know, for me, it, it's taken time on, in my organization, but I look back and I go, wow, was I dumb two years ago? Still dumb today, but I was really dumb two years ago when it came to a lot of things that I was trying. But, you know, that's me being hard on myself, but I, I realized that now you, it's good that you did that. So now you've experienced and now you can sense a lot faster what's working and what's not. Yeah, absolutely. So what else would you like to share with our audience today? I mean, what, I guess, one piece of advice, I know we talked about this before, but um, one piece of advice for, for those entrepreneurs that seem to be stuck in the mud a bit and they're like, okay, I'm not getting the traction that I thought I would. Um, I'm not, I'm getting some client work, but I'm not really where I thought I would be at this point. What are, what are some things that you could give them to give them basically a, a pep talk and encouragement to keep on? Yeah, well, I'll say, uh, Michael, there's, there's probably two things to keep in mind. The first is that it is, I think, really a, a sort of fact of not just entrepreneurial life, but a fact of life in general, that things move slower than we want them to. It is, it is extremely frustrating, but um, I think it's important to keep to keep in mind uh, and to, to try to seek out as much as possible real hard facts about how other people have done things so you can calibrate what is reasonable to expect. Um, I know plenty of people that for things like, you know, writing for high profile publications or something like that, which is something that I write about a lot. I have a, an online course about that called the rapid content creation masterclass. So it's something that people ask me about a lot. You know, how did you get to write for Forbes or Harvard business review or entrepreneur? And then what did that do for your business? I will say it did, huge things for my business. It did everything for my business in a lot of ways. You know, it helped me get book contracts and speaking gigs and, you know, credibility in the marketplace, but it did not happen fast. And people say, yeah, 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 I know it doesn't happen overnight, but I want to really quantify what not fast means. Um, it is not like, okay, it's not one post, it's 10 posts. Uh, that's not it. It's not, uh, you know, oh, it's not one post, it's 50 posts. That's not it either. I was blogging regularly, by which I mean a minimum of five and usually about 10 to 12 times a month for between two and three years before I started to get a significant number of unsolicited inbound inquiries. That is between 200 and 300 articles that I had written by that point. Um, that's what I'm talking about when I say that for a long time, you won't see results. You're going to have to do things on uh, on faith, so to speak, that, uh, that you are doing the right thing. And so that's why part two, 
why I think it's so important to surround yourself with the right people. Um, when I started my entrepreneurial journey, I really didn't have a, a community of entrepreneurs. The people that I knew were not doing this, and so I just didn't have a lot of good information sources. It seemed very opaque to me. And so the more uh, you can put yourself in those places, whether it's online communities or paying to go to conferences or masterminds or things like that, I mean, it's worth, it's worth putting money into so that you can put yourself in the right rooms and begin to have those conversations um, because you can save yourself a lot of trouble by coming to, uh, to know other people that can really be a, a resource for you so you don't have to reinvent the wheel. What you just said about the 200 to 300 articles is in complete alignment with what you said earlier about the podcast episodes. It's, it's all about being consistent and continually creating content and you know, leveraging other content too, of course, you know, guest posts and, and other things. But being in the game for a while, so when people and organizations like Inc. or Forbes or HBR or whomever – start, you know, looking and going, hmm, okay, they come across an article that you wrote and they look and say, what's Dory all about? And they look and there's 300 articles. Like, okay, this is a thought leader that knows what they're talking about and we should have them write for us. And it's, it's I, I, not to simplify it, but that's more or less how it works. And when you're consistent and you constantly do these things, it will make a big difference if you, you just got to stay in the game and, and for people to get frustrated about it. And, and I'll be honest, I, you know, I've been in that boat myself at one point, I recalled that I wanted to do this. This is what I want to do. So you ask yourself, okay, is this what I want to do? Is this the type of business that I want to run and own and be proud of? If the answer is yes. Then this is part of the equation and you're creating content that's going to help people and you do it over a long period of time. All of a sudden, um, he said it's 15 years to that overnight success. Now, 15 years is a tongue in cheek response, but for some people it may take that. Some people might be shorter. It, there's no magic timeline on when or if you'll take off, but if you're consistent and you're putting out quality content, uh, no matter what the media is you're using, it's going to create an impact. Uh, you're going to create an impact for a lot of people and for yourself as well. Absolutely. Yeah, really well put. Thank you. Thank you. Dory, thank you so much for being on the show. I, like I said, I was looking forward to this for, for quite some time. And I know you've already given the links, but uh, feel free to share with the audience anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up today. Yeah, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it, Michael, and it's great to have a chance to talk with you. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I'll just mention again, um, since we've been talking about entrepreneurial you so much, uh, if people really want to dive in and figure out how this applies to themselves, how, how you can create multiple income streams in your own business, um, I, uh, in writing Entrepreneurial You, I, I learned uh, lessons from some of the best entrepreneurs out there. Um, you know, high six and seven and eight figure entrepreneurs interviewed them about their secrets and then set about applying them to myself. And so, in fact, the year that I wrote Entrepreneurial You, I added nearly $200,000 to my income um, 
that year alone as compared to the year previous just by implementing those strategies. So um, certainly I have tested them and they've, they've been effective for me and I hope that they can be effective for you. Uh, so if folks are, are interested in, uh, in learning more, uh, certainly they can get the book Entrepreneurial You uh, and they can get the free Entrepreneurial You self-assessment to start thinking about it in their own lives and that's at doryclark.com, D-O-R-I-E-C-L-A-R-K.com slash entrepreneur. Great resources, and I highly encourage everybody to go get that book and and download that uh, worksheet because, again, it's going to make a huge impact on the work that you're doing as an entrepreneur. And it will, and like I said, I'm not a big fan of shortcuts, but it'll help you take the right steps to get you down the path of of making uh, some significant uh, additional income. And um, now, Results may vary. You may not get 200,000. You might get 200 million. I don't know what products you have, but I'm assuming that, you know, the people that are listening, there's somebody out there that has something that's going to dramatically change the world. So take advantage of, of Dory's materials and, and, and support by buying, buying the books and materials and all of that. So again, Dory, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And I'm, I'm so thankful that we got to chat today. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Michael. Take care. All right, everybody, thanks again. Until next time, be well. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst-case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get as a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.